This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And today, I am really excited about our guests because they are ingrained in our agency here at Florida Risk Partners. It's my pleasure to welcome Paul and Sean Hawkins from Hawksoft to the Power Producers Podcast. What's going on, fellas? Hey, we're excited to be here. We're just excited to be part of this industry and excited to talk to you. Uh Uh-oh. Well, listen, I got to tell you, man, Kyle, you're going to have to corroborate this, but this is like the second person today we've had a conversation with. We can literally spend an hour just talking about all the stuff behind you on your wall. Like the never, last guy. Never was, in my life did I think that on this podcast, we were going to hear the term didgeridoo. Yeah, but, that's crazy. But we did. Yep, we absolutely <laughs> did. And it reminds me, the other guy, Paul, but you look like, like you got some torture chamber stuff back there. Yeah, well, he, he just had, yeah, he had some of everything. It was like it was like the highlights magazines when I would go to the doctor or the dentist when I was a kid, and you'd have to find all of this stuff. That's how much he had. Yours is more organized, and, and in the back, and it appears to be uh, surrounding woodworking and things like that, yeah. which I'm sure we'll get into that conversation. But before we do, you know, listen, everybody that's an agency principal has a decision to make at some point in the life of their agency, some earlier than others. And it's one of, if not the most popular questions posed in literally every online forum room group, whatever you want to say. And that is what agency management system should I get? And at some point you had the idea in your mind that you needed to bring something to the table that wasn't there originally. So talk to us a little bit about the background to Hawksoft, you know, where did it originate? What's, what's the story? And and I'll let either one of you take it. Well, Sean, you, you take the early story and then I'll take the insurance story. Perfect. Sounds great. So this story actually goes back all the way back to when I was in the um, fourth, fifth grade. I think it was actually the fifth grade. Uh, My, my teacher uh, was concerned uh, because I was extremely bored. Um, and he called my dad up and convinced my dad to buy me a, uh, my first computer to buy a computer. 
Um, this was shortly after the um, IBM PC had come out back in 1984-ish, 85-ish. And so he, uh, he bought me a Tandy 1000 from Radio Shack and uh, told me I could have any game I wanted as long as I programmed it myself and uh, handed me a programming book. Uh, and so I'd come home from school and I would uh, um, just read through the book and, and uh, learn to program quite a few things. And then I would, um, my dad would come home and I'd teach him what I had, I had learned. And then he'd stay up really late and he'd learn a bunch of stuff. And the next day he'd teach me what he had learned. And we went back and forth teaching each other uh, to program. And at first, uh, the games were, were really simple, like little um, hangman games or, uh, or um, tic-tac-toe games, those kinds of things. Um, and what we found or what I found was that I, once I had a game made, I would play it for, you know, 20 minutes, half hour. And, and I'd, oh, I got another idea. I could build this other thing and off to this other, other game that was, uh, and I found that programming was the game. Um, in the meantime, my mom was uh, wanted a, um, a a check register. She wanted a recipe program. So my dad is is creating actually applications for my mom to use. I'm trying to create little, these little games, but but we went back and forth teaching each other uh, to program. And fast forward to um, the sixth grade, my dad went to work for a cheese distribution uh, company that imports cheeses and meats from all over the world, um, and in, uh, in the eighth grade, he became the night warehouse manager at this at this company, and that at the time they would bring in twenty pallets of brie from France at a time. And uh, if you ever, you know, brie is is just amazing. Um, but what would happen is that they would rotate it incorrectly. They they, they it was actually at the time they would they would decide which palette to use by by just look visually they'd have a date on the side of the palette and sometimes they'd get rotated in the wrong order and they'd have a whole palette of brie go bad um, or whatever cheese it was and and you know brie in itself is uh it doesn't smell the best um and when it goes bad uh it really really stinks and they would actually find it by its smell they'd walk into this cooler At the time they had a twenty thousand square foot cooler six pallets high again full of cheeses and meats um and their computer system, they knew how much cheese was in the cooler, but not where it was. And so my dad came home and said, Sean, I've got a program for you to build. I want you to build a program to track where all of these cheeses and meats are in the in the cooler so they can rotate in the correct order. I mean, it took me quite a while. He was working really long hours, uh, but it took me quite a while. And uh, finally got it done and took it to his boss. And his boss was was blown away. His boss um, had they'd had that program bid out, and it was going to cost just way too much money. Um, and so he gave us a sizable check uh, for that. And and Did you say I this was eighth grade. This was uh, th I finished it in the ninth grade. But yes, uh, it was ninth <laughs> grade. And and Good he brought the sizable check home, and I thought thought, whoa, dad, there's something here. Someday we're going to be partners, our own business. And uh, our last name being Hawkins, we're going to call it Hawksoft uh, because Microsoft are like, hey, this this fits Hawksoft. And so, as a very geeky ninth grader, I carried around this little binder with a hawk a hawk drawn on it, Hawksoft underneath it. I thought it was really cool stuff. Um, nobody wanted to talk to me. I couldn't understand why, um, but I thought it was cool stuff. And then fast forward to my senior year, my dad went to work for a um, insurance agency. And again, that's where he came home and he says, Sean, I've got a problem to, uh, we, need, we can solve. This was back in the day of the handwritten applications and his handwriting, if you've ever seen Paul's handwriting, it is 
illegible at best. <laughs> and uh, and so he wanted to create a program to track or to be able to print out insurance applications um, with the data on them off the laser printer. Um, and I had gone to work for a little company uh, outside of Portland um, where that was doing um, um, technology for the laser printers. Um, and so I learned how to do it. And so we started putting this program together uh, for his agency. Um, Paul, you want to run for, with it from there? Yeah. Anyway, uh, so we had uh, digitized all the applications in the agency. And uh, one of, a president of one of the insurance companies up in Seattle, uh, Kenneth I. Toby, came down and Harold Anderson, uh, who became a dear, dear friend of mine. And he came down and talked to the owner of the agency. And he says, uh, I'm getting these applications. They look pretty much like our application other than the fact that uh, you guys corrected some spelling mistakes and they're black and uh, black ink instead of green ink. Uh, but they're always completely filled out. They're always legible. Uh, how are you doing that? And he pointed at me and he says, that guy right there, he says, can I talk to him? He's, he says, sure. Anyway, he came to me and said, uh, my agencies need this because the, uh, we get we spend so much time on write backs and stuff, uh, getting missing information, et cetera. And uh, we had uh, coupled with the uh, rating program in the area here to uh, get the data from the rating program and then uh, answer some more questions, print it out on the laser printer. And so uh, he was just ecstatic about this. He says, come up to my uh, little conference that we're putting together for our agencies uh, in three weeks. And I want you to do a demo for our agencies because they need this software. And that's where we got our first three customers from. That was uh, 19, October of 1995. And uh, so then uh, we had uh, my son-in-law uh, got, uh, my, wife, my daughter and son-in-law got married. And I asked him if he wanted to be part of the business. He said, yeah. That sounds like fun. Anyway, so we were uh, we started that. Sean, at that time, was serving a mission for our church in El Salvador, and then uh, came back and was uh, going to BYU for a little bit. And uh, then we said, "Hey, Sean, you got to come home. Where our business is growing. We're 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 growing fast." And about that time, some of our agencies said, "You know, we really need a management system. Is what we need too." And so I started working on a management system. And uh, rest is history. Uh, there we go. But kind of, kind of a, a follow up to that. Kind of an interesting note on that is that that uh, one of the owners of that cheese distribution company uh, became our uh, later on became our head accountant. Yeah. Um, so Paul worked for him, and then the roles were reversed, and he came to work for us. And then also that agency owner later on became our sales manager. Um, so it's just kind of cool to see. Um, how those those roots uh, eventually became part of part of Hawksoft. Yeah, so the story in and of itself is unique, but looking at it today, people have a lot of choices out there. What makes Hawksoft unique relative to the other options that are in the marketplace? Well, uh, you know, and we've always talked about it. It's this industry, and and I don't think some of them, some of the big boys understand this it's a relationship game it's all about relationships and we like to think of ourselves as a people first company 
it's people first. We, the relationship is everything. Our core values uh, that we ascribe to, that we hire and fire by, and we use to answer all the questions are all about relationships. Uh, we don't worry about the uh, bottom line. We don't talk to our executive team about the bottom line almost ever. And uh, we talk to them about our core values. We talk about relationships, how those relationships uh, uh, work, uh, that relationship of trust with our customers and with our employees and with the vendors and carriers that we work with. So you brought up the core values there a few times. Talk about those a little bit. So several, um, our core values are, are really everything um, to us. In fact, as Paul said, uh, we hire and fire by our core values. Um, one of the things that makes every new employee, we actually have a meet with the entire executive team. There's 10 people in the executive team. And one of the first meetings that they go to is a core value meeting um, where we go through the core values and we spend an hour with them. And we've had meetings where there's been one new employee and 10 people in the executive team. Um, so it's a very, very expensive meeting, but it, we feel so strongly about those core values. And it's kind of interesting how those core values came about. The, the first six of them came about when we were starting to, we had about, I think, 30 or 40 employees at the time. And we realized that we had something unique there. And as we were growing, we were concerned about keeping that feel that we had and how do we how do we grow that? As we continue to grow, how do we keep those what we had going for us there? And and so we really started breaking down a, a what that was, and that be, those became the root of our core values. Um, and and we actually had um, our we actually broke into little uh, subcommittees, if you will, and and really defined them out and put um, put words, uh, paragraphs, and words and, and examples to those core values. Anyway, Paul, anything to add to that? Yeah, no, it's, and then we've added some since then, but you know, it's just like I just—they're so important to us. They, we we use it to answer all the questions. In fact, I had one this morning uh, that uh, we used it uh, to do the right thing, and uh, they were talking about licensing of an agency. An agency wanted to break their agency in half because of something that they needed to be able to do, and our software wouldn't quite do that part of it yet. And so the, somebody says, well, we have to charge them for this and this. I says, no, 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 no. You don't do that. That's not doing the right thing. They're doing it because of something they need to do because of our software. We have to give them for that price. And, oh, yeah, do the right thing. That's right. Okay. And so uh, those are just, just one of the core values, uh, do the right thing. It, it, originally, it was said uh, we uh, play by all the rules. And we realized that that wasn't correct because sometimes to do the right thing, you have to break the rule. And uh, other ones like the uh, attitude of gratitude. Um, so we've got a, sen a sense of community. Um, and, and that's something that as we look at the sense of community, we're all, it's all about relationships, whether, and, and we're all part of many different communities, whether that's our own families, whether that's our, the team that we work on, you know, I'm, I'm on part of the development team, I'm part of the executive team, um, whether that's um, this group right here, this is a community. And in the community, of course, we live in, those are all communities, and we need to have that sense of community that we belong. And, and it's about relationships. It's about making sure that those communities feel um, that we care about them. Um, deliver an exceptional experience. And we have, you guys have seen probably the purple cow, uh, Bessie, 
Um, that's really what that's about is, is, is standing out and being remarkable um, and, and delivering that exceptional experience. Um, Paul, I think mentioned for the good of all, um, and that's something that, uh, again, trying to balance. Um, we don't like the win-lose scenario. Um, you asked us what kind of stands Hawks up apart. We really don't like the win-lose. If it's going to win-lose, we don't want to be part of it. We want a win-win scenario. Um, and and that's, we, we can be the winner and the other person be the loser. I don't want that. That doesn't, that doesn't work for us because that's going to leave somebody with a bad taste in their mouth and their relationship isn't going to be one of trust. Yeah. And you're, you're only going to put up with losing for so long and you're right. going to not be a customer anymore too. That's right. Yep. Yep. Um, other core values like uh, work to live, don't live to work. Um, continuous innovation, attitude of gratitude, growth and learning. Um, it's again, it's all geared around people and it's about, it's a, it's putting people first. So talk a little bit about attitude of gratitude because there's actually a war, an award that surrounds this, right? So attitude of gratitude was, um, was not one of the original core values. Um, in fact, it was one of the members of my team. I'm a developer who came on, uh, several years ago and, and he, I started noticing that he was thanking everybody, everyone who had interaction with, he was thanking them. And what we realized is we watched this team that was, I mean, a great team, but he suddenly the team, he changed the team. The team suddenly became so much more cohesive and they were working so much better together. And we were like, wait a minute, what, what just happened? And what we realized it was him. It was because of, he was showing gratitude and suddenly everyone else was showing gratitude. And, and we realized that it, it, he lifted the whole team in doing that. Um, and that, and, and what we found was that, and you'll find that, that as you show forth gratitude, especially, I mean, if you're interacting with someone that you kind of butt heads with, if you just find something you can say, thank you to them for that mm-hmm. changes the relationship. Suddenly that it brings, it lifts both of you up. Um, and in fact, there's been a lot of studies that show that, it's not that happy people are grateful, but rather grateful people are happy. Um, yeah, anyway. I think we kind of just talked about that on the, on the last podcast, just taking the time to interact with people on a human level and, and just relate with them. People appreciate that. You know, it's just something that's, again, <laughs> seems like common sense, right? But like it goes a long way in, into developing those relationships and not only that, but productivity, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead, David. Like you're about to say something. No, I think that, I think it's important though, because those values and how you treat people and how you want to do the right thing affect so many different parts of your organization or any organization for that matter, if people have that thought process. And I can tell you as somebody who is is not just a fan of what you're doing, but a user of your product. I had options. You know, I ran my agency for the first year and a half, and we didn't have an agency management system. Quite honestly, didn't need one at that time because what was I going to put in it? <laughs> I mean, we had to get some accounts that we had to put in, and we write specifically more traditionally middle market uh, commercial insurance accounts. And so even then we don't have a huge velocity in terms of number of records, number of accounts we close because the average account size is, is larger. And so I was able to put that off for a while. Then I started having this problem of, of having people come work with me and having to give them things to do all day and needing to have the, the tools for them to be able to do their jobs the right way. And 
I can tell you that the experience when we were shopping and dealing with the, the sales guy and, and sadly he's passed away now. Um, he was right over, right, not far from us over in, in winter Haven, but it was different. You know, the, the sales process was different and I have to believe that that is also something that's intentional and part of the culture at Hawksoft. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Well, it, as an example, uh, we had a, our, our sales rep in uh, Ohio. Uh, her best friend was, uh, and some people might recognize, might recognize the name of an agency in, in Everett, Washington, Claudia McLean. She was Claudia McLean's best friend. And uh, she called and she was uh, she worked for one of our customers. And uh, Claudia called me. She says, well, I've got the uh, uh, office manager from uh, this agency. Uh, she would really like to go to work for you. She'd like to talk to you. And I says, yeah, uh, tell her to call me. And uh, she called me and she says, well, I'd really like to go to work for you. I says, you know, it's really amazing because I really think I need to have a sales rep in uh, the Ohio area. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I can't. I, I'm not a salesman. I, 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 oh, no, I can't do that. No, oh, no, 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 no. And I says, well, could you ask them what their, what their needs are and show them how they could you do that in Hawksoft? Oh, yeah, I can do that. And, and that's, that's kind of the model that we use. What, what are your needs? You know, how can we help you? And, and we go from there and it's no pressure. Uh, you know, uh, not everybody, it doesn't, we're, we don't plan on being the fit for a fit for every agency. It's just, it doesn't work that way. And, uh, and that's so people appreciate that and they feel that they can call us and, and they trust us because of, because uh, of how we do it. In fact, we tell our salespeople that if it's not a fit, they need to let them, the agency know you're not, a, you're not a good fit for us. Um, you, you'll be happier with one of our one of our competitors, quite frankly, because of whatever niche they're in or whatever it might be. Um, and and that takes agencies back sometimes. They're like, wait a minute, what? You're supposed to be a salesperson. You're supposed to sell me on this. And they're like, no, but we can't. We're not going to sell you something that's not going to be a good fit for your agency. Um, that's that's a that's a lose that's a lose lose situation. <laughs> so, yeah, and I think that's the thing, man. You know, when you look at software sales, it doesn't even need to be agency management system sales, software sales in general, that's cutthroat. Like I can mm -hmm. tell you one of the things from my standpoint and look, the insurance industry is too, we can call it what it is. Like depending on how you approach your business in, in the insurance industry, it can be equally as competitive, equally as cutthroat. And that's not how we roll. That's not how we operate in, in our agency either. And I think that that, that, in and of itself is one of the reasons why we had an, a, a fundamental alignment of beliefs and core values for all practical purposes, because we're going to go in and talk to our clients about total cost of risk. We're not going to talk about insurance premium because that's only a portion of the money that they're um, having come out of their financials every year. You know, we're going to go in and we're going to ask a lot of questions about their operations. I have to understand how they run before I know how to you know, give them a, a diagnosis to their problems and then subsequently a treatment plan. You know, too many times, and I'm going to, I'm not going to put you guys in an uncomfortable position because you got to be friends with everybody in the insurance industry. I don't necessarily. <laughs> um, I try to be, 
But I mean, too many times we're so focused on getting the sale. We want to sell the product because that's how we get paid. And we think that's how you solve somebody's problems. But even to Paul's point earlier, that's not always the right thing. That's not always the thing that you need to do. You know, not every problem that an agency has operationally is cured by Hawksoft. And that's not a knock on Hawksoft, right? But you guys would be the first to admit that if you had, if you tried to force your product in to an area where it didn't belong because you simply wanted the sale, that's going to be a nightmare relationship for the foreseeable future. The product's not going to do what the person expects it to do. You already knew it wasn't, but you know, and, and I don't need to, I don't need to belabor the point. I think that I really appreciate that more than anything else, right? Because nobody wants to be uncomfortable when they're making a big decision. We, we want to have a complete comfort level. And, you know, aside from hiring your staff or picking out what your benefits package is going to be or any of that other stuff, the AMS is probably the biggest or one of the top two or three biggest decisions outside of people that you're going to make in your agency. Right. So you can't afford to get it wrong. You right. know, it, what a nightmare. You know, I can't yeah. even imagine. You, you guys are stuck with us for life because <laughs> there's no reason for me to ever move. I don't want the headache of it, um, amongst other things. But you know, I can tell you that's that's one piece. The other thing is, I will tell you that I don't know of very many companies that I have worked with over the course of my entire life where I have felt like the relationship didn't end when the sale was made. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like the support that Hawksoft provides it for a user, no matter how dumb the question is, is exceptional. You know, we get fast response times, usually very, very quick resolution. Usually it's really an easy problem on your end (laughs) to fix. We've just stared at it so long. We made it complicated on our own. And then, you know, probably whack myself in the forehead as I'm hanging up the phone. But talk a little bit about that. I mean, I, I feel like there has to be conscious emphasis at the corporate level on support to make sure not just that you're getting people across the finish line, but you keep them once they're there. And, you know, I liken it to car dealerships. I hate having to buy a car. It's the worst. It's so it's annoying. The, it is the as soon as you, worst. as soon as you walk up, just the vultures come out of every freaking, <laughs> you know what? Honestly, of the building. I would even be okay with that at this point. I, you know, half the places you can't even get a car anymore, but, um, cause they don't have them. Yeah. But, true. You know, we're, we're at a point where it should be a lot easier to buy a car than it is. Mm-hmm. Like I just, we just went through this about a month, a month and a half ago for my wife, told the sales guy exactly what we wanted, gave him all of the information he needed. I said, all I want to do is sign a few papers and drive off when we come back. If you need any questions answered, any personal information, financial information, whatever you need, ask me for it. Because when I come back, I don't want this to be two or three hours. I have four kids and two of them are younger. It's not compatible with the car buying process. It just (laughs) isn't. And so we, it ended up being a nightmare. It always is, man. It always ended up being a nightmare. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't that we just got to go and sign a few papers and drive off. It was, you know, the interest rate this guy was talking about was not the same interest rate that he had quoted me. And it just was one thing right after the other. And and I, I was ready to walk. I told my wife, you know, I was the bad guy. My wife is sitting in the car getting ready to test drive what could be you know, her dream vehicle for all practical purposes. I'm like, this is a matter of principle at this point. We're out of here. We're not. 
And then I, now I'm stuck, right? <laughs> now I'm stuck between, do I want cold dinner tonight <laughs> or do I, I want to just compromise a little bit? And so, as you can imagine, I compromised and she got her new car, but it wasn't without just a royal pain. And I think, I think this is, you know, going through this process is the same way, but point being in all of that, because I didn't really do a good job of putting a ribbon around it. Sales isn't what brings me back to the dealership, right? If I buy that car, I'm going to have a short-term memory if every time something happens to it, hopefully nothing does, but if things happen to it and I have to take it in and it's broken and it interrupts our lives and my kids can't get to practice or gymnastics or my wife can't get to an appointment she has, that causes a lot of stress and friction in our house for as many moving pieces and parts as we have. Service is what keeps people going back to car dealerships, in my opinion. And I feel like this game is exactly the same in that regard. Yes, it is a big process to go through and make the decision of what you're going to buy. But if you have that peace of mind, and that process goes relatively smooth, if you have that peace of mind and knowing that the the quote-unquote proverbial service department is going to be there for you, Man, that is just so much better. Um, it helps helps you rest so much easier knowing that. I don't ever want to have to buy a product, and I know that I'm really upsetting myself up for absolute failure here. I don't ever want to buy a product where I have to go through a phone tree of press one, then pound, press three, four, or any of that <laughs> stuff, right? Because that's where that's where life has taken us. I had an issue with American Express last week. There should have been very easily handled over chat. What's the point of giving us a chat if you can't solve a problem over chat, right? I asked them the question. I the hate the chats. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> but but if you call the phone, the first thing they tell you is what? Go check out our chat. Chats. So I didn't even, I hung up the phone and went to the chat thinking it was going to be easier. I needed to make a change on one of my airline tickets, Delta Airlines. It was a nightmare. I ended up having to pick up the phone and call somebody. I tell you all, I can probably give you guys a million examples you will never be one of them as far as I'm as far as I'm concerned, because we've never had that issue. So talk a little bit about how service is embedded and support is embedded into your culture and how that you know manifests itself to the end user. Well, early on, in fact, uh, we're a 28-year-old company now, and we didn't have we didn't have a marketing department until seven years ago. We grew all across the country because of the fact that. Early on, we said that we were going to double down, triple down on product support, on customer service, and that was going to be the most important thing that we did. Yes, we're a software company, but number one, we're a service company, and that we would bring in, uh, train the people right so that they could answer every question. Right now, we have 95% uh, first call resolution, and uh, and and yet we still have a... Uh, uh, less than a two-minute wait time uh, on on hold time, and uh, we said we're gonna. And we grew all across the country. We started here in uh, Oregon and Washington, and uh, but because of our service, people in California finally started calling us, and uh, then we uh, people in uh, so we started growing in California. Then somebody in Illinois called us. Then somebody in Florida called us because the agents were telling their reps about us and the reps were talking for, with their friends back East. And we, we grew all across the country because we said that we were gonna let do a great job in service 
and let the agents do our advertising for us. And uh, one, and then that brings me to the guy, one of the er, our early uh, uh, customer service reps. His name was Fred McGrath. I love McGriff. Fred. McGrath. McGrath. <laughs> McGrath. <laughs> yeah, McGrath. Fred McGrath's the, the crime dog. The, yeah, the crime dog. It's a Tampa <laughs> Bay baseball player. <laughs> He was, in fact, we use him in our training as one of the personas that we talked about. And Sean, why don't you talk about that? Um, yeah, one of the personas we have um, is is Fred McGrath, and um, and it's because he had this knack when customers would call in, um, and sometimes you know we get customers that call in that sometimes are pretty pretty frustrated, pretty angry, um, and and sometimes it has nothing to do with our software, but they call in, and he would take a phone call you know, take these, take these angry phone calls. And by the time they were done, the customer was laughing and thanking him, even though he never even solved their problem, because maybe it was something that the carrier download was wrong, or, you know, coming from the carrier or whatever it might be. Um, and, and really that's something that we, we spent a lot of time with is with our product support team is talking about empathy and, and, and helping them understand that they are truly the face of Hawksoft. It's not Paul and I, it's really our product support team. Because they're the ones that are interacting with our customers every day, and 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 what they do and how they leave um, people feeling. Um, in fact, uh, one of the quotes that we have on our our main internal facing screen says, "People will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel." Mm-hmm. It's Maya Angelou. Yes, it is, and and that really says it all. Um, is that that we want to make sure that our that when people interact with Hawksoft, that they have that, they, they, they leave feeling um, that, uh, feeling good, feeling like that we care. Consequently, we get a lot of calls. Uh, in fact, I get personal calls from people, from agencies. In fact, I just had one the other day. He called me. He says, Paul, what other program, this other, I'm trying to do this. What other program do you think I should get? And it's nothing to do with Hawksoft. He wanted to know because we have built that relationship of caring and trust, then they ask us all kinds of other questions too. And that's great. I tell our people, yeah, let's answer those questions the best we can because uh, we care about these people. You know, I I think we talked, uh, I know we're talking about product support right now, but I'd like to go back to our sales team um, for just a moment. And really, um, you you brought up the fact that um, one of our sales team uh, members has passed away here um, in the last year, um, Chris Lejeune. And Chris really um, set a tone in our sales team that set our sales team up very different than most other sales teams. Um, Yes, our sales team... um, you know they've got a base salary and uh, but they make they make a lot of their money off of commission but it is a very common thing and and Chris really set that this precedent that we'll have a sales uh, team member who's out sick and another sales team member will step in for them do the demo and interact with the customer but then they they attribute that sales to the original salesperson who was out sick and they don't typically take the credit for those sales. And we see that all the time where the sales, the sales team members are helping each other um, get sales. It's not this cutthroat within the sales organization. Um, they work together as a team. And, and Chris really set that precedent. And that's the same thing with in product support is, is product support working together um, to help each other out because our product support is great, but they don't know everything um, individually. A lot of them are still learning, and, and again, it's that it's that interacting, working together, that makes it so powerful. 
for sure. So, I mean, David was talking about how aside from uh, a few, a few things, your, the agency management system is going to be one of the biggest expenses for a particular mm-hmm. agency. Talk about what the demo looks like, how you guys do that. Um, you know, what, what it feels like for the uh, prospective, you know, buyer doing that demo. We should ask David to uh, to, um, to share his experience. <laughs> Go ahead, Paul. <laughs> if it's done right, the uh, and it usually is. You know, it, it's different different depending upon the agency. You know, the different agency sizes and the different uh, people that we meet. Some of the some of it's business to business, and some of it's B two C business to customer or business to client because it's a more of a one on one. Uh, but uh, uh, typically what happens is they call and say, okay, we want to have a meeting with you because we want to find out what your needs are. What do you need? How do you need? Uh, what's your expectations? Uh, how, what's your size? What do you write? Uh, all the different questions to get the persona of your agency and how your agency runs. That way, then when they get to the demo, now they can uh, uh, cater that demo to answer all those questions that you have and just make sure that it's a fit for you. Yeah, I can tell you like specific to the sales process and the demo, um, I have really like, I, this is not a joke. I tell you that up front because a lot of people giggle when I mention it, when I speak publicly, but I have adult diagnosed ADHD and it's, it's bad. I'm supposed to be medicated for it, but I don't take it because I feel like I lose my edge to a certain degree when I do. And I, I know how to manage it well enough to get through, through my days and can actually get more done than the average person because of it. It's more of a superpower than it is anything else, but I'm a nightmare for a demo guy. Like if you need me to stay focused for 30 minutes on a piece of software, that quite frankly, I personally am not going to be using on a regular basis. You're going to have to show that thing to me probably 10 or 12 times before it's going to sink in. And I mean, just the graciousness with which we would ask questions or say, could you mind covering that again or whatever else? I never felt pressured. I never felt stupid. I never felt, you know, any of the the negatives that, that you could imagine. And, you know, I'm critical of salespeople because I am one. I, I think that if you're a good salesperson, you like to deal with a good salesperson. You know who's a good salesperson? My nine-year-old daughter. She's fantastic. <laughs> Doesn't even know how good she is. Or maybe she does. But I told my wife yesterday, we left, we went down to uh, Sarasota for the weekend for Father's Day. And we were getting ready to leave. And her thing is, she has the unique ability to find anything in any store that she could possibly, that, that, that she has to have. Like she has to have it. Doesn't matter. It could be a gas station. It could be Lily Pulitzer boutique. It could be any number of things. But if you take Caroline into a store, she is going to try and get you to buy her something. And I know so, someone else like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I get off the uh, elevator and she's, I, I had stayed behind to make sure everything was out of the room. They took the elevator down with the bellman before uh, I left. And I get down and she's standing by the elevator. And I said, what are you doing, Caroline? She goes, well, I'm waiting for you, daddy. And I said, you are? Why are you waiting for me? Well, I wanted to show you something in the gift <laughs> shop. And I said, okay. I said, I'd love to go see what it is you wanted to show me. Because now look, there's three different ones 
I'm not going to show you the most expensive. I'm going to show you the one that I think makes the most <laughs> sense for me to get today. Completely assumed the fact I was going to buy it for. Didn't start <laughs> with expensive, didn't go cheap, goes right for the middle. And my wife is just shaking her head. And I was like, you know what, honey, that, that, you know what, that's a really good decision. I think you should get that one. Daddy will buy that for you. So we get out, to, we're start walking to the car and Andrea's like, she has you wrapped around her little finger. I said, no, 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 she doesn't. I said, I know exactly what she did. I said, I'm rewarding her for doing that because I want to replicate that behavior. It's going to come in to be very beneficial <laughs> for us later in life if she decides she wants to join the agency. But at nine years old, she knows how to make the case. And she is slick, man, I'll tell you. But it's I think that the, the best salespeople really, really appreciate that. And we're so consultative in what we do. We deal with troubled accounts. We're not going to walk in and go after the marquee, you know, pristine accounts everybody else wants to go after. I need the stuff that's got some hair on it so that we can justify our existence and our value proposition and getting that cleaned up and ready to go. So that's what I would like in my experience to buying Hawksoft. Fair enough. The product, not the company. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's be clear. So talk yeah. a little bit. I mean, we've Just been- to with reiterate, you. David, yeah. the company is not for sale. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's also, I think that's very impressive too. I mean, in a world where there's been so much venture money and everything, um, it's amazing that you guys haven't taken outside funding for any of that stuff and you've continued to grow without a venture partner. Um, but you're not stopping. It's not like it's, it's stagnated growth. I would, I would argue there's probably some times maybe you want to see some things. I can promise you there's probably some times your constituency wants to see some things moving a little faster than, than what they think it should. But, you know, there's also something to be said, man, for, for slow and steady wins the race too. You know, I, I'm not, I talk to a lot of insure tech people and I don't feel like just because you can get to market the fastest means you have the best product or the most reliable product. You know, a lot of times I think that when you get to market the fastest, you end up getting some early adopters who are happy to see you got there and then you lose an overwhelming majority of them and take a hit to your reputation because the product didn't deliver. You were so worried about speed that execution fell by the wayside. So I understand that. But the one thing I know that I hear a lot about and that a lot of people have, um, have been, you know, sort of asking about, and you see it sort of being uh, meant, you know, I don't want to say teased is the right word, but Hawks off six, man. Like there's a lot of stuff that's getting ready to happen and get ready to come out. Why don't you talk a little bit about the future of what's what, what you see happening at Hawks off. I want to make sure we talk on, Hawksoft six, but also the partner program, because one thing that I've seen happen a lot more since we've been in your ecosystem is that you are more open to integrating with other things. I think that's a fair statement. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe not. I don't want to say open because that sounds like it's more of a personal decision. I would say that you're more able to integrate with more things than you have. Um, and, and that makes life easier. Formstack is a great example. Now we have e-signature inside of Hawksoft to be able to go and use Formstack to go get the e-signatures and make sure that we have a log record of that and everything. Huge, huge helper for my agency, especially as the market has continued to harden and we're doing more excess and surplus line stuff that actually requires Accord forms where many of our regular carriers, we don't even use Accords anymore. So talk, talk a little bit about that, the partner program, and then also what you see on the horizon here. I'll talk about the partner program and I'll let John talk uh, on the next step. 
the partner program is continuing to grow as we listen to our customers and they want to do something. You know, there's probably five or six different marketing programs out there, uh, insure tech marketing programs. And, but this agency wants that one because that's what they want to do. That's how they want to work. And this other one wants this one, that one wants that one. And so we're trying to help these agencies uh, be unique. Uh, you are an independent insurance agent. Uh, you deliver choice. We are an independent agency management system, and we want to deliver choice to our agencies so that they have can be unique in their own way. And so that's opening up farther and farther. Uh, and as we get to Hawksoft 6, it'll even open up even more. Uh, it's, uh, we've got some great relationships out there with these insure techs. Uh, and I think that's gonna really help our independent friends to uh, be what they wanna be. And Sean, why don't you talk about where we're at with Hawksoft 6 and where we're going. So Hawksoft 6, um, you know, first off, I just want to um, highlight the name Hawksoft 6. We spent a lot of time trying to figure out what to name this new thing. Um, you know, Hawksoft 6 is all about moving our data. So it's 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 truly the data is truly cloud based, um, delivering content from the cloud. No longer the, the need for a network um, network attached. Um, even even our HSO product today is still technically a network um, software, if you will. And Hawksoft 6 is the move to the cloud. And we spent a lot of time with a lot of different names. And, and what we realized was that we Hawksoft six is just a, another iteration of, of Hawksoft. It's Hawksoft five, five points, uh, you know, five X five version five is what's out there right now. Hawksoft six is just that next iteration. And we didn't want agencies to feel like we are creating a new product that we're going to resell to, to you guys. Cause that's not what we're doing. Hawksoft six is just an upgrade. It's an upgrade to the new product. Um, it is completely cloud-based uh, cloud in the fact that the data is being housed on, uh, on our Azure through Microsoft Azure through their servers, and then brought down uh, to your desktop through both a combination of native applications and um, browser functionality. And there's a combination of both in there. I'll tell you, it is the largest update in the history of Hawksoft. We have rewritten well over half the, uh, the, the program. It is some really, really cool stuff. Just to highlight some of the, the new features coming out, uh, reporting in Hawksoft 5, if you have a large agency, you know, depending on your agency, you could take several minutes to a half hour, depending on your agency. In Hawksoft 6, it's in seconds. Uh, those reports come up. I mean, it is so fast. The um, We've enhanced um, tasks. In fact, we've got a lot of ideas to enhance them even further. But uh, they used to be called suspenses. In Hawksoft 5, they're called suspenses. In Hawksoft 6, they're tasks. Um, the idea of being able to um, to assign multiple people to a task so that any one of those individuals can close out a task. Being able to say, hey, I'm going on vacation next week. I'm going to take all of my tasks that are due next week, and I'm going to add David um, to those tasks so that he can work them in my absence. Um, and that's built right into that right into that um, system. So uh, I don't want to misspeak. Okay, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but that actually parallels very closely CRM functionality, right? Because in the CRM world, we're not talking about suspenses; we're talking about tasks and tickets. Mm -hmm. um, specifically, HubSpot is who we use in our agency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but very, very similar. You can bulk assign tasks and things like that. So that's that's actually very interesting and solves a big problem, man. I mean, when you're dealing with people going on vacation, if you have 
an account manager that's hand, handling a book of any size, you could you could have several dozen things that are open that you need to have attention mm-hmm. paid to while you're gone with no real mechanism, you know, easy right. mechanism at this point to do it. Yep. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we're taking the tasks to another level, uh, even to become a workflow manager so that uh, I, yeah, I've got to, I've got a sales task. I'm, uh, I've got this prospect I want to sell, but uh, in, during that sales process, I've got a whole bunch of different touch points and different things that have to be done. And you're going to be able to build those uh, touch points and those subtasks out and s- schedule them. And it might not be the same person that's doing every one of them. And so I, but as the owner, I want to be able to see where this is in the process and uh, to be able to uh, manage that and to make sure, especially you get a, a new producer in there and now that this the first time they're doing workers comp and those touch points are different there. Yep. The process is different mm-hmm. than it is for CGL or something. Yep. Uh, and so you can manage all that with these, with the task manager. And so that's some, those are things, those are things that we're actually, um, that are not in the system right now, but that we are, we are actually in talks of adding before it rolls out to, um, to a bulk of our agencies. But there's a lot of other features as well in there. Um, we've, uh, downloads of a complete rewrite and a lot of exciting things with downloads. Um, and, and, and we are managing the downloads. No longer do agencies have to run them. We run them in the background every day, pulling from Ivan's in the background um, without you guys having to get involved. Um, so there's a lot of, um, uh, things like um, being able to have a true package policy where you've got a business auto and your CG on your property all in one policy instead of breaking them out. Um, that's Poxoft 6 has that in there. Um, so there's just a lot of a lot of little functionality. So not just are we moving the data to the cloud and making it more accessible, um, but we're, we're, we're adding a lot of uh, feature um, features to it at the same time. So just really, really excited about that. You know, I want to address one of the things that we hear a lot is that Poxoft 6 is taking a while, and it is. Um, trust me, we feel it. I mean, it's, well, I mean taking... it's the biggest release you've ever had though, right? Like, yes. Insurance oh. agents. Listen, let me, I, I'm going to go ahead and call it. You guys don't need to say it. My peer group are some of the most fickle people in the world because we gripe when we get something on a short leash and we don't have the time to get everything put together and get it pushed out to underwriting. And we feel like, you know, it, it's just not fair. Nobody ever gives us enough time. They always want it done yesterday, but we're the first people to demand the same from <laughs> anybody else. And the fact is, without any real understanding of the level of complexity of what you guys are yeah. doing on the back end, I think most of us just think you're just pushing a button here, a button there to make all this <laughs> stuff happens without any real understanding of all the beta testing mm-hmm. and, and, and minimum viable product stuff you have to go through just to even get it to where you can get it to beta testing long before you can ever release it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just want to call out um, uh, the, the development team. Um, they have spent many, many, many long hours uh, over the last several years putting this together. And we are we're excited because we are we are getting ready to roll this out um, and, and start rolling this out to um, a handful of agencies right now. Um, and um, like their first agency is, is running on it right now. Mm-hmm. So just very, very exciting. Nice. Good deal. Well, listen, we've been we've been going pretty much almost an hour. Anything you guys want to want to discuss before we wrap up? I want to just say how what a wonderful experience. And I've been I've been at this for uh, in the independent side for over 30 years. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I love it. 
uh, <laughs> over 30 years. And uh, I love this industry. Uh, I love the people in this industry because uh, you, the people in this industry are mostly people, people, persons, people, people. Uh, they care about people. They care about uh, the relationships because this is, this industry is a relationship game and uh, there is no better industry in this country to be in. We are an independent a company, a family-owned company in a family-centric industry that protects the American family and the American business. And that's, to me, I am so proud to be here and to be able to serve these wonderful people. Well, that's awesome. I would be remiss if I didn't mention one more valuable part of your extended team and that is Peggy Corbett, who is in oh, here wow. just wreaking havoc on our agency right now in a good way. <laughs> um, just absolutely fantastic. She does such a good job with her training and how she captures all of that stuff. And I'm I'm so thankful that uh, my good friend, Chris Paradiso, made that connection uh, to Peggy because she has come in and helped our agency tons. And she'll always be a part of the team at this part going forward. You can't. Yep. Yeah. I She's might not amazing. need her as much, but I'll never let her go. Right? Yep. So, <laughs> and, and I would tell you, if you're out there and you're on Hawksoft and you're you're looking for somebody to help you because you're not sure how to get it set up, don't do what I did. Do it at the beginning. <laughs> don't wait five or six years because that becomes a little more complicated. But reach out to somebody to help you. And if you're looking for a management system, listen – you're going to hear a lot of different options out there. All I can tell you is if you listen to this podcast, you know how opinionated I can be. You know how much I expect from myself and my team, let alone those that we bring on as stakeholders and partners. And this group has never once let us down. So, you know, I can't, I can't say enough good things about Hawksoft and everything you guys have done for us and just really appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on the podcast and chat with us. I'm looking forward to seeing like when, when six comes out, I'm still getting, I'm still getting my feet wet and what, what existed before that. So <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to rush you. You know, I feel like we're going to have a, we're, we're going to really appreciate the launch of six a lot more once, once we have a, a really good understanding of all the stuff that Peggy's working with the team on. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. People, you can't find better people. And, you know, it's like Marcus Lemonis, the prophet says, people, products, and processes. This group checks all the boxes, but people for me is the most important. And that's the one that I start with every single time. If the people aren't right, the rest of it doesn't matter. So thank you guys for being who you are and for being such good champions of the industry. And we appreciate everything that you do for us. A lot of the things agents never think about, like even helping contribute to make some of our trade shows and things like that happen. So we have a place to go and get better. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the time today. This has been great. Absolutely, guys. Cool. We're going to wrap up with that. Everybody else, we'll catch you next week. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. <laughs>